You're listening to Beat Autoimmune and Thrive, the podcast all about reversing and preventing autoimmune conditions so you can live your most vibrant life as soon as possible. We talk about autoimmune root causes, actionable solutions, and inspirational healing stories. I'm Palmer Kippola, and I used to have MS. Today, I'm an author, a speaker, a functional medicine certified health coach, a pickleball player, and nature lover who's helped thousands of people reclaim their health and their best lives. Let's dive into this episode. Hello and welcome. I am here today with Karen Martell, a transformation nutrition coach who is a leading expert in ancestral nutrition, women's hormone health, and specifically weight loss resistance. She's the host of the top-rated women's health podcast, The Other Side of Weight Loss. She's the founder of the revolutionary program called On Track, which is a membership community that's helped thousands of women to balance their hormones and lose weight. Now, after struggling with her own health issues, Karen was determined to bring her knowledge to others with a bold new approach to women's health and weight management. Her passion lies in helping women break through weight loss resistance and to find their personal weight loss code through hormone optimization. Karen is a health leader and researcher determined to revolutionize weight loss for women. Now, what I love about Karen is that she is open, she's curious, she's tenacious, she's smart, and she's experienced, and she's got a really big heart. Her passion is so evident when you listen to her interviews that she does and on her own podcast. I'm super excited to have you with me today, Karen. Welcome. Oh, thank you. That was such a nice introduction, and you're such a good speaker. Oh. <laughs> you, got a, you got it like a natural radio voice, which I really appreciate. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, I just, I love interviewing, and this is such an important topic, and this is such a great time because there is a world of women in particular mm-hmm. facing hormone imbalances, and we know that hormone imbalances are huge drivers, these root causes of autoimmune conditions, especially during high hormone surge periods like after pregnancy, perimenopause, and menopause. And that's why I'm super excited to dig into this with you. I want you to help us break down this hormone conundrum so that people can see that there is so much within their control that hormonal homeostasis is possible. So that's the opportunity for us to dig right in. And as always, I love to start with stories so that people have a, a, a framework, a context, if you will, for how you even got into this, how you got into this mess and how you got out know, of right? it. So, so help us with that, Karen. Well, my journey started back, and this is so typical. I think so many women go, oh yeah, me too, which was post child. (laughs) Those dang children. (laughs) They just wreck everything. No, it was post-pregnancy. So after I had my daughter and I was 31 when I had my daughter, so young, you know, I I considered myself young at the time, you know, lost the baby weight within that first year of breastfeeding. And then once she stopped breastfeeding, I suddenly started to get all of these weird symptoms creeping up. And it was over probably a year or two where it would just continue to get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I was gaining weight and it was like, I've always been very health conscious woman. 
um, always been a researcher. I was in the health industry. So I knew, I thought I knew what I was doing as far as diet went, but I was willing to kind of try anything, research everything. So I was on, you know, you name it diet. I would, I tried it at that time because nothing was working. So I went from going, you know, raw vegan for a period of time that, that one did not last much more than a month. I think I then went to the opposite end and I did Atkins for a while, (laughs) did nothing for me. I did the zone. I started juicing. I started doing detoxes, cleanses, anti-candida. I mean, you name it. I just, I tried it. Nothing was budging the weight and I only continued to gain. And here I was like, I wasn't out there like, you know, binge eating. I wasn't eating McDonald's. I wasn't eating cookies. I had what was called like a normal, I had the low fat, high grain, you know, whole grain diet, which everybody was on at the time. You know, if I wasn't dieting, that's what I was eating. And my stomach was getting super bloated all the time. It looked like I was constantly, by the end of the day, I would look like I was three months pregnant. I started getting severe menstrual migraines, Mm. uh, severe, severe insomnia, uh, horrible PMS for weeks at a time. And it was just getting worse and worse. I started to do what every woman does. Um, I was cutting calories. I started working out super hard thinking that was the answer. I kept thinking, well, maybe if I was a runner, that that's the answer. Then, <laughs> then all the weights is going to drop off because look at these runners. Nope. It felt like I was dying every time I tried to go for a run. I went to boot camp. I was doing boot camp probably five, six days a week. I had a personal trainer on top of that. I was probably in the best shape of my life. And I'm working out with all of these women that were shredded. And I was working out the exact same amount that they were. And you would never know it. I only continued to gain weight until I was at the heaviest I'd ever been. And I was like, what is happening? What is happening? But you're doing everything Everything. right. So we are told low fat, high carb, workout, you know, yeah. and you're doing all of it, right? I, I did. I, I honestly, I did extreme dieting. I was, I went and cut my calories down to, you know, five, 600 calories a day. It wasn't healthy. It was terrible, but I was so like determined. I'm like, what is happening? And so I decided, you know what, it's got to be beyond food and exercise. And, but I was 32, 33, Nobody would have said, hey, I think you've got some hormone dysfunction going on. Like if I'd gone to the doctor, nobody would have said that. I also had endometriosis, ovarian cysts. I'd had two laparoscopies. Like these are hormonal things. Nobody would have said, hey, you've got hormone imbalance. And so on my own, I found a naturopath and I said, I want to test my hormones. Well, sure, you know, I'm going to give him money. He's going to test my hormones. And my hormones came back and I was like no progesterone, super high estrogen, no cortisol and no DHEA. And I was like, not no, but very bottom of the barrel. So people at that time called that adrenal fatigue. And it was like, I would never have said to myself, oh, I'm a stressed out person. I didn't even put myself in that category. I was just doing what every other woman in North America does. I was holding down a business, my own business. I was raising my child by myself. Well, who cares? Everyone else, you know, this is hard. This is what motherhood is. This is what life is. But I wasn't this like high, strong, super active. Like I was, I would have to force myself to work out that hard because I didn't have this super high energy. I never did. And so I was like, but I thought that that would give me the cortisol problem, but it was just, and I, and I later found out other things, but at the time 
I couldn't believe that. I was like, what? So I actually, at the same time, that same naturopath, I said, I got to lose weight. You know, I'm, I'm, what, what do I do? And he said, and this was a long time ago now. So it would have been 10 years ago now. So nobody had heard of paleo, keto, autoimmune, not, not, especially here. Nobody had heard of it. And he said, I was at a anti-aging conference and they actually talked about this new diet called the ketogenic diet. And he's like, apparently that's the best. And then, so I went home and I started Googling it and I found Mark Staley, Apple, went out, bought his 21 day primal blueprint and went paleo. And that paleo, was a paleo or keto paleo paleo. Got Cause there's no keto books. Got it. Got it. So that was the closest I could get. So I did paleo and I, it was it just blew my mind. It was like, oh my gosh, this is my diet. My my bloating went away. I used to have horrible blood sugar issues where I would carry food around with me 24-7 in case that I was going to have a blood sugar crash. It'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't eat for two hours. What am I going to do? And so it stabilized my blood sugar. My skin got better. I felt better. I felt like my body composition changed, but I didn't lose a single pound, even though I was 100% compliant nothing, no weight change. And it wasn't until I've dealt with all of these hormone dysfunctions, which took time, did my weight finally drop off. And when it did, it just, it was like, came right off. And it was like, okay, that was it. Okay. That's so good. And years later, after my next child was born, when I was, he was born when I was 37, same thing happened. I said, I just started gaining weight again. And I'm like, come off it. I got my hormones tested. My progesterone was super deficient. I went on progesterone and my weight dropped off, uh, which was great. This is when I was still breastfeeding. So it finally was like, okay, there goes the last of the, the, my weight and I could maintain it. Just quit breastfeeding, weight started going up again. So I get all the, so many times that happened to me. And so of course now I know what to do with it. And so I was like, okay, what's going on? And my doctor had che- checked my TSH and she had checked my, checked my free T4 because I had hypothyroid symptoms, but she, those both came back totally normal range. And it wasn't until the same naturopath said to me, you have to do the full panel. You have to do the full thyroid panel. And I got it back. And sure enough, my free T3 was like, he, he phoned me and he said, how are you even walking around? This has been your problem. You are so hypothyroid. And I was like, it took me 10 years to get this diagnosis. And it's actually very common for women to develop hypothyroidism post-pregnancy, as well as just exasperate the symptoms of hypothyroidism that you've, I probably had it my whole life. And then it just made it worse. Having that hormone dysfunction, having my cortisol crash, having the high estrogen, it would have bound up that thyroid and made it even worse. I so all of these things, it's like a big storm. This story. I love <laughs> this story because it is so common. It is yes. so common. And typically I mean, we're all human beings doing the best we can, and it's, it's so common to just want to go to your doctor, your primary care provider, your GP, and just so everyone knows, because you said here, it's not that common. Well, you're in Canada, so I just want to point that out for everyone, right, Karen? You're yeah. in Canada, so maybe you have access to different things than we do, but typically people want to save money, so they yes. just want to do the most efficacious, fastest thing they can do. You go to your doctor, you're supposed to trust your doctor to run the right tests. And the problem is 
our primary care provider, our GP, typically doesn't know the right test to run. And it is, it's a shame. One could say it's criminal. It is a problem that we are not getting the right information. And, and we end up suffering for years because of it. And prior to this conversation, we had a little chat and I shared with you that I was put on birth control very young to even out my cycles. And I was told you could just stay on it forever. And oh, by the way, my cholesterol, eating a low fat vegetarian diet, high grain, was 104. And my OBGYN wrote on my lab test, which I've saved for today, to this day, she wrote excellent to 104. Well, we know that the countries with the highest levels of cholesterol live the longest. And we know that countries with the lowest level of cholesterol don't. Cholesterol is what our hormones are made, made from. from. So yeah. I don't want to sidetrack into that. I, I want to go back to thyroid and low thyroid because it is, I think it's an epidemic. It I may be too. a pandemic yeah. facing mostly women yeah. in Western countries. It's the number one autoimmune condition in the world is Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which mm -hmm. is when you have elevated antibodies. And so I'd love for you to touch on hypothyroid and Hashimoto's, what are the right lab tests that women and men should be ordering, not just that TSH? Help us to understand what we can do just to get the data, or maybe, you know, what are some of the signs and symptoms that we should look, consider when it comes mm -hmm. to hypothyroid and what do we do about it? Yeah. Great, because you're right. There's so many more women that have it that don't realize that they have, like that are going to be going misdiagnosed their entire life. Okay. And even if they're diagnosed, majority of women are not being treated properly for their thyroid problem. And this is massive, massive, massive. And there's different forms of ha of hypothyroidism, different causes. So I think that that's really important thing to make like Hashimoto's is one thing. And then there's other reasons like what I have, I don't have Hashimoto's. I have a conversion problem and, and that's always gets misdiagnosed in people. So, and I think just to go back, just let me quickly say like, that was such a good point that you made that people go to their doctor because they want to save money because this is free, especially in Canada, we have free healthcare. Everybody wants to go exhaust everything with their doctor first. And it, my doctor, there was no way she would have tested my hormones when I was that young. I was told repeatedly by the doctors that uh, I was offered an antidepressant for my problems. I was told to eat less, work out more, that I needed to start moving more. Like I, and that is the general advice that you're going to get. So people really have to start compartmentalizing what a doctor, why you go to the doctor and why you would go to a functional doctor or a health coach they're two very different things, what you're going to get from each of those people. Your doctor isn't trained in hormones. They have very, very little training. And they're certainly not trained in things like how to properly treat thyroid. They're, they're taught that you look at TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. So this is what most doctors will test for. In Canada, they just made a law in the medical system within the last year they can no longer test for what's called free T3 and free T4 unless there's a problem with TSH. Wow. So now it's gotten even worse. Before it was really hard to get any doctor to test past this, but now even if you request it, they are not allowed unless you say, okay, I'll pay out of pocket for it. United States is much better at 
at being open-minded to giving somebody the full panel when they request it. Only when they request. On request. So this is why we have to educate ourselves because your doctor may not know this is super critical that you listen to Karen and podcasts like this so that you can get the information that you need so that you can take it to your doctor because you're going to be educating them. All right, keep going. Yeah. And so now I'm going to tell you what happened with me so that people can understand the importance of getting this full thyroid panel. So not only was I misdiagnosed for 10 years and went and suffered needlessly without thyroid medication in me, when I finally did get the medication, I tested what is called your reverse T3. So reverse T3 is an inactive thyroid hormone. It's basically, we have it in us as a preservation so that when we're sick or in times of stress, that your body isn't running its metabolism really high. It's like it wants to conserve the body's energy in order to heal. So it's there as a protective mechanism so that when these stressful times happen or if there's infection in the system, that we don't have this high metabolism and ready to go out there and run a marathon. Your body's like, no, you're sick. You got to stay, you got to, let's bring things down a little bit. So what can happen for various reasons is your T4, which is an inactive thyroid hormone, converts into the active thyroid hormone, which is T3, free T3, leothyronine. If there's a conversion issue like I had, your, your levels can look normal or the T3, your T4 can look normal, the TSH looks normal, and then the T3 can be too low or look a little bit too low, but still be in range because that T4 is also being shuttled into reverse T3. Finding a doctor that is willing to test reverse T3 is impossible unless they are a functional medicine practitioner. There's not a single lab in Canada that tests for reverse T3. They actually have to send it to California and it takes two weeks to get back. Like it's ridiculous. There's not even a lot. No doctor was taught about reverse T3. They said they're taught that it's irrelevant in the, in the scheme of thyroid, that the only thing that's relevant is that TSH number, which means if T4 starts to drop, because let's say you have Hashimoto's, your body's attacking your thyroid, your T4 is going down, your T4, T3 is going down. It's sending, it's trying, the the thyroid is trying to stimulate hormone. It's trying to stimulate that T4 to come up. And so when that hormone rises, TSH rises, that the hormone T4, because the TSH is actually not a hormone, the thyroid stimulating, yes, it is. Thyroid stimulating hormone tries to stimulate your T4 to come on. And so it will go up. And that is the indication of hypothyroidism to the doctors, which is true. That is true. If the TSH is too high, it means that T4 is saying, Give, get me higher. I'm not high enough. Come on. And that, t- that TSH goes up. But we're missing, we're missing this massive chunk of people like myself who are not converting T4 to T3. So I go get put, I, I realize I have this low T3. My naturopath says, here's your desiccated T4, T3. And luckily, I, my, one of my closest friends is Elle Russ, who's the thyroid expert. Love her. <laughs> That's how we met. That's how Palmer and I met was through, through her. Yes. And she said, Karen, you have to test your reverse T3. So I go test it. It comes back at 15. The, the, the okay reference range is anywhere up to 25. So I'm thinking, oh, great. Pff, no big deal. Even Elle was like, yeah, that, I think that's okay. And just keep an eye on it. I said, yeah, sure. So I start my desiccated thyroid and didn't think 
to keep checking the reverse T3. And this is where I want all your listeners to, to understand how important this is. Because I went on desiccated thyroid. My labs looked phenomenal. I looked like I had perfect range. You want your T4 to be middle of the range and you want your T3 to be in the upper third of the range, if not over range, is where most hypothyroid patients feel best. Everybody listen to that, especially if you've got a thyroid problem, because guaranteed you're not optimized on your thyroid medication. I felt better than I'd ever felt. My migraines went away. My digestive system got better. My skin got better. My energy was better. I actually wanted to work out all the time. I felt amazing. I was losing weight effortlessly. I was like, really? I can eat like this? I'm still losing weight? Like, woohoo! Thinking this is, I found the golden ticket. And then in one month, one month, I gained 10 pounds, just like that. 10 pounds in a month. And I was just going, what is happening? I couldn't get off the couch. I was so depressed. My skin was so itchy. My breasts became super inflamed and fibrocystic. My period started to go haywire. I was just like, what just happened? What just happened? Like I was the best ever and now I'm the worst ever. And I went and got my reverse T3 checked because I was taking my body temperature, which I had learned to do throughout my journey of thyroidism. And we can talk about that. I took my basal body temperature and it had crashed. I would, had been at this nice 98.6 for six months at this perfect spot. My labs looked amazing. I checked my reverse T3 and gone up to 19, still within range. And I later found out it shouldn't be no higher than two to three points past the bottom of the range, which not a lot of people are even talking about that. And I believe it now. And had I been watching that reverse T3, I would have seen that that T4 that I was on, it was going into T3, some of it, most of it was going into reverse T3. And as soon as it went past a certain marker, I got extremely ill and it took me a good year. I don't even think I've still recovered from it, of trying to get back that, to trying to clear out the receptors and trying to get out of that T that reverse T3 response. And in order to do that, I had to go in uh, T3 only. I had to change around everything. And then I had to really look at why did this happen? And I think that that's really important people for people to hear is if you have a thyroid problem, you need to find out why. Just like with autoimmune, if it's Hashimoto's, you need to get, it's not about replacing the thyroid hormone. You need to figure out why is your body attacking your thyroid? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because at the end of the day, autoimmune problems are not body part problems. And we no. talk about this, you know, MS is not, I don't have a problem with my brain, thyroid. If it's Hashimoto's, it's not a problem with your thyroid, at least not mm. initially. Rheumatoid arthritis is not a joint problem, but that's mm. how I think our specialty divvies us up by body part. These are immune system problems. Yes. And the autoimmune condition goes to whatever your genetic weak link is, in my case, MS. Now, I also have hypothyroid, and I'm in that 10% of people that don't have Hashimoto's or Graves. It happens to be Hashim uh, excuse me, hypothyroid as a conversion issue like you. So yeah. not yeah. a true autoimmune condition but it also needs to be managed. And I think just listening to you tell your story, it's just testament to the fact that we now have access to fantastic people who know what to do and how to test for this stuff. And 
uh, we're not suggesting to people that they become hormone experts, but you guys have to educate yourself and work with somebody that knows what they're doing. And this mm-hmm. is unfortunately not an area that you can just hand over to your GP or a PCP who's just going to say, let's look at your TSH. That's a pituitary marker. It's a marker of late stage thyroid dysfunction, but you have to get, maybe you can list what are the six or eight markers that you like to make sure that people check for just so we can kind of put a bow on the hypothyroid problem. Yeah. As in like what to test for. Yeah. What to test for. Number one, if you suspect in any way, shape, or form that you have a thyroid problem, even if your labs show that you are fine, take the basal body temperature. You will get, for those that are watching the video, see I have my handy dandy uh, thermometer here at all times because it's so easy for me to check my temperature then. it. It looks like an old mercury thermometer and it's very exact. You cannot use digital. You can get these on Amazon for $5. So just buy a couple because they easily break. But don't touch the mercury. <laughs> yeah, there's no mercury in there. So <laughs> you got to shake it down and then you take your basal body temperature twice a day. But every woman that has weight loss resistance in any way, shape, or form, or weight gain in any way, shape, or form, take it. This is the, one of the best tools you can use because basically this is telling us how hot's your fire burning? How, is your metabolism working properly or not? Because if it's not, we need to get to, to the reason why. And one of the most common reasons for a low body temperature is thyroid or cortisol, which always the two of them go hand in hand. So if you have a body temperature in the afternoon that is consistently below 98.6 or 37 uh, degrees Celsius, consistently under that every single day, then you know that there is a problem. If that number fluctuates a lot more than let's say 0.2, 0.3 of a degree throughout a daytime, then you know that there's an adrenal issue as well. If it's just always low, there's a hypothyroid problem more than likely. Like nine out of 10, it's going to be a thyroid problem. I mean, things like infections and stuff like that can obviously affect your body temperature. So this is, you know, this is why you want to take it a couple of times. Just like ovulation will affect it. We naturally have a higher temperature at the second half of our cycle. So, you know, take it during the first half of your cycle and then take it on the second half of your cycle and see, are you always below 98.6? And if you are, then it's time to explore farther. So that's in a really cheap way to just see where's my metabolic rate sitting right now because then it's it's not having to do with the foods and the i mean food always has to be the foundation of it all but if you're eating already well and you're still not losing the weight that that would be your first step that and i think testing your blood sugar which you can also do from home to see if you're insulin resistant and then for thyroid markers this is what you want to first and foremost do is your free T3 free T4 TSH and both the thyroid antibodies both TPO and TGA thyroid globulin and thyroid peroxidase those five are the most important and then from the, I'm sorry and reverse T3 how can i forget that and reverse T3 <laughs> i'm no better than all those doctors but do not not get the reverse T3 because that has so much to do with if you have a high reverse T3, you really need to look at why that is. You could eat, it could be genetic, but it likely is because either your cortisol too high or too low. You could have iron deficiency um, or in an infection. You could have heavy metals, mold, or anything like this, which all of these things all tie around to autoimmune and inflammation. 
And they actually say Hashimoto's is a gateway autoimmune condition to other autoimmunities. So if you get Hashimoto's, if that is your first autoimmune condition, you want to make sure you nip that as soon as possible because it's a gateway for other ones. Such great information. So we start by taking our temperature. If we feel, and the symptoms that I lay out in the book, in my book, are cold hands and feet, sluggish, constipated, the outer third of your eyebrow is thinning, thinning. You can't lose weight. I mean, thyroid is your gas pedal, right? It's your metabolism. So if, if the weight isn't budging, this is a really big clue that beyond just not eating the right foods, that you've got something with your thyroid that needs to be looked at. So those six markers that Karen mm-hmm. just mentioned, absolutely positively do not forget to get those two autoimmune antibodies tested mm-hmm. as well. That is mm-hmm. fantastic. Take, take your temperature. I mean, just take, if your, you, temperature. Just take yeah. your temperature. The greatest place to start. It's easy. It's free. I'm sorry, $5 for a, an analog thermometer. But that is the very, very best place to start. And I didn't know about yeah. the temperature going up and down could be a sign of adrenal problems. Yes, especially if it's more than that 0.2, 0.3 degrees in a day, if we're seeing lots of fluctuation, but still under 98.6, then we know that you have two, two things going on. And that would be like, once you figure out if there is a thyroid problem, so if your temperature is low, then you go ahead and get the thyroid panel. Um, and there's ways that uh, people in Canada can now do it. Like I sell the Let's Get Checked thyroid kits. And they, that's you get six thyroid markers, not reverse T3. I'm trying to get them to add that. But they, they have six other ones. And it's $100. Like it's so cheap. And so just if your doctor's not, your doctor will refuse to do it. Just put it that way. And then in the United States, you guys are get it easier. So go get that done. And then you can then, then you have to get your cortisol tested. And then you want to get um, the other hormones done, vitamin D, all those things. Then there's other markers, iron stores, iron saturation, ferritin. All of these things should then be done to see if there's another component to why you have the hypothyroidism. And so okay. that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we could go in for hours I know, on any yeah, one just of on these. Thyroid, yeah. but, but you mentioned cortisol a few times. So maybe yeah. we should pick up that thread because what I see is a tremendous amount of stress that's also driving the autoimmune problem. Of course, yeah. But it's a hormone problem because we have cortisol, which is actually a good and beneficial hormone in the right doses. It's very anti-inflammatory. But those of us with autoimmune issues we're always on dealing with that chronic stress, our cortisol level shoots up. And then at some point, it can actually flatline. I see this a lot. So talk to us about adrenal dysfunction, cortisol issues. Do you see high and low cortisol? What do you have to say about that? I have kind of two schools of thought on cortisol because, you know, I used to think that cortisol, that what we're seeing here with the high cortisol and then low cortisol, um, be in that headspace of, oh, it's adrenal fatigue where the body's so used to pumping out so much cortisol that it gets tired and starts to wear itself out and can't produce that cortisol anymore. Well, that's no longer true. We understand that that is no longer true. And it's more of a, the body senses that the, the high cortisol is too much. Like we're, we're smart. Our, our bodies are so smart and we do everything for a purpose, which is 
if we're running on high for too long, the body says, this isn't good. We're staying in this fight or flight response all the time. And it's meant to come on and go right back down to homeostasis. And now thanks to our, not just our lifestyle, but environmental stressors, food stressors, toxin stressors, there's lighting stressors, all of these things are now impacting the cortisol keeping it in this high place and the body starts to downregulate it. And so it's not a matter of fatigue. It's a matter of smart. Survival. <laughs> it's a matter of survival. survival. The it's body's survival. going, right. we cannot, Chill. this is not good because not cortisol, good. because it's a survival hormone, you guys, it runs the show because it has to do with our survival, which means all the other hormones will start to suffer because your body is going to primarily be focused on making this survival hormone because it is thinking there's a threat when really the threat is working every day, having a bunch of children to take care of, still cleaning and cooking the house all the time, running around like crazy, never resting, thinking that this is the way it should be working out five days a week at CrossFit. These are all the things I was doing, you know, all of these things, this is not normal to the right. system. Putting everyone else first. Oh, perfectionism. First. Yeah, yeah. Right. And All now women this. are also feel like they need to work as well. We need to have a career. We need to be just as smart. Just, we are just as smart as men, if not smarter. But we need to be on, on par with them as far as the workplace goes. But yet we're still in charge of the household for the most part. We're still the main caregivers because it's in our nature. You know, men are like, oh, my husband will be like, hey, I'm going to go golfing for six hours. I'll see you later. And I'm thinking, like, what, I, I, what do I have that takes me away from my family on a Saturday for six hours where I go have a really good time? Like, nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> And I would feel so guilty if I did it, right? Right. Anyways, your body will start to downregulate cortisol. And so your body then is it starts to go into this preservation mode. All the hormones start to drop with it too. Like you'll see, that's when you start to see the thyroid going down. Uh, progesterone will go down because there's what's something called the progesterone steel, where progesterone is a building block, which is another hormone. It's a building block for cortisol. So the more cortisol you were producing, the more you're stealing from that progesterone. So we're in this epidemic also of low progesterone, which causes things like anxiety, which is also the number one complaint I hear from women as they age, which is I have this anxiety that doesn't go away. I have insomnia. This is the really low progesterone that we're seeing across the board with everyone. So true. And can't sleep at night. Can't I mean, forgot night. to mention that is just, there's an epidemic of people not sleeping. I love how you redefined cortisol in terms of it's a body survival mechanism. It's meant to be used in short bursts. And if you don't put yourself first, your body will do that for you right? So, so, so very wise, which is why self-care is so vitally important. It's critical. It's essential. Wouldn't you say for our survival and our, just our health and our well-being and who we are? Absolutely. But the thing is when we're in the high cortisol phase, it feels pretty good. People aren't, women are, I get this all the time. I say, you gotta, you gotta slow down. Oh no, I love it. I love staying busy. I think this is great. 
I, I love it. You know, I just like to stay busy all the time and I got to go do this. And then I got to go do that. And then I got to go to the gym. I, you know what, working out makes me feel better. So when I go and do CrossFit for an hour, I feel great. Even though I've been up since five, you know, got the kids out the door, then I'm going to CrossFit. Then I work all day and then going home and making dinner and getting my kids into bed. This is called adrenaline, folks. This is, yeah, yeah. No wonder you feel good. You're getting the shot. It's called the adrenaline junkie. That's right. Norepinephrine, epinephrine, those are all shooting off all day long. And so for a long time, you actually think that this is normal and this is good and that you just like to stay busy and just go, go, go. And so when you try and stop and you go and do the yoga class or you go and do the self-care day or you want to go meditate and go, hey, you know what, kids, I'm just going to go have a long bath. You don't, you're uncomfortable. You, you can't even sit there because you're like, I do it. I do this all the time. So I'm not judging anybody. I am a, a total, like, I love to keep, I, I'm my worst enemy. And I have to constantly reel myself back in and go, you know what? Go sit on the couch for two hours. Who cares? You don't have to work. Like I have to c- talk myself down because it can be uncomfortable. It can, it can not feel good. So people will be like, well, I don't like meditating. I don't really feel like I need self-care. It's like, well, your body thinks otherwise. (laughs) And also infections will also cause that. I didn't want to say that. Like they've done, there was a study done where people were in the hospital with, it's not E. coli, but it was some crazy bacterial disease of some sort where these people were very sick. They eradicated whatever it was that they had. And when they tested their cortisol, when they were sick, it was very, very low. When they eradicated it, two weeks later, they tested the cortisol and it was back to normal. How interesting. Very, in, I think that when I heard that, it was like this huge aha moment because there are a lot of people that will be like, yeah, but I'm not, you know, I'm retired. I don't, my kids have grown up. Like, why do I have such low cortisol? I have no reason for this. And you start digging farther and they've got heavy metals or they've got Lyme or they've got some, I don't know, an autoimmune condition. Something else was at play that the body was drove down that cortisol in order to preserve the system. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. It just brings the point home to me that we must prioritize our self-care. And it's um, really tempting to think that it's fine because I can juggle all kinds of things. If we're women, we're doing, you know, a zillion things at a time until we're not, Yeah. until we're not. And so by implementing these practices, it is something that we can do to really help to lower that cortisol without our bodies having to do it for us. There's one other that I think we have time for because we could go in so many directions, Karen, but insulin is, mm-hmm. I am seeing this as just one of the largest drivers of autoimmunity. Yeah, I bet. It is the blood sugar imbalances, the high insulin, obesity. All of these are risk factors for autoimmune conditions, for diabetes, and Alzheimer's disease. Yes. So what can we do about insulin both on our own and when do we need to get tested? How do we know it's a problem? You know, we always want to search for the next best supplement, the next best some weirdo treatment that we can go and get that's going to fix the autoimmune condition or fix all the problems. And food has to be, there's no way around it. Food has to be the foundation to every single issue that you have in your, in your health and in your mind, like mind and body. 
food has to be foundation. So just quit trying to make, make your way around that. Cause a lot of people do like, they'll still try and go in all these different directions, looking for all the supplements and the practitioner that's going to save them. It's like, no, you have to just focus on changing your diet first. First and foremost, you just told me prior to this conversation that you took gluten out of your diet and it was like, oh, like total game changer, right? Game changer. Same with me. When I went paleo, I never looked back. It's I'm, I'm 12 years into it and it's like still my favorite by far for everybody that I work with has to be on some form of primal based diets because that is what works best. Lower, lowering that inflammatory response yes. is best. So food has to be foundation because that will not only help with dropping inflammation, but it's going to help to resensitize those in that insulin to have insulin sensitivity again. And you have to go there and there's different things that can cause, you know, insulin resistance and type two diabetes. Um, I've worked with people that have, for instance, have been low carb carnivore ish or whatever for years and they still are insulin resistant. And so there, there is digging to be done sometimes when it comes to insulin resistance. There's come time, sometimes it's a genetic component, but there's even a component with heavy metals that can cause insulin resistance. If you have an undiagnosed thyroid problem, it can cause insulin resistance. The two of those together work in tandem. It will directly affect the cortisol as well because if your blood sugar is going up and down, up and down, every time blood sugar goes up, cortisol goes up. So if you're eating this diet high in refined carbohydrates, you're constantly spiking cortisol and, and making your blood sugar go up and down, up and down. And you can't do that. You got to you got to understand that you got to heal the metabolism, and in order to do that, you got to heal the blood sugar issues. You do. You have to. And there's different, you know. There's different ways of doing that. You don't have to go as extreme as going carnivore and keto, but just simply following a low inflammatory diet like paleo or an autoimmune paleo diet is going to help to restore that insulin sensitivity. As we age, that's another big factor. We start to see estrogen going down as we go through our 40s and early 50s. This is when we start to see hot flashes in women and all of these things, right, that come with perimenopause. Part of what happens and reason why we gain weight in perimenopause is we become more insulin resistant because estrogen makes you insulin sensitive. This is very interesting. And then it's the opposite. So Ooh. testosterone, if they have healthy levels of testosterone, they're going to be more insulin sensitive. If they've got too high estrogen, they're going to be, it's going to be the opposite. Same with women. If they have too much testosterone, they become insulin resistant. That's PCOS. That's high testosterone, insulin resistance, hand in hand in women, men, high estrogen, insulin resistance, gynecomastia, metabolic man syndrome, man boobs. And so we see these two opposites, but point being these hormones are so important as far as finding that place of insulin sensitivity in your body. So it's diet, it's hormones, and it's stress that you have to correct in order to get that blood sugar normal again. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Everything is interconnected. It's Everything. amazing. It's yeah. amazing. All of these hormones that you're talking about, estrogen, you know, this is such a big issue because we hear about estrogen dominance. I think a lot of people don't know that estrogen dominance doesn't just mean your estrogen is high. It's relative to progesterone in women, right? And testosterone in men. So 
what do we do? What do we think about when it comes to estrogen dominance? Because this is an area I know you're passionate about progesterone, as am I. So tell us what we can do to determine whether or not we're estrogen dominant, and then how do how do we get ourselves out of that yeah. problem? Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're getting estrogen dominant, both men and women, because we have a lot of xenoestrogens in, in our environment. So we're getting estrogen mimickers that your receptor, it looks enough like estrogen that your receptor takes it in. And so we're, that is part of the reason why we're becoming so estrogen dominant. And then also the stress and the, the low progesterone. So you may have completely great levels of estrogen and you want estrogen. I think estrogen's demonized right now because of this estrogen dominant stuff. It's demonized, but you want estrogen in your body. Yes. Trust me. I've talked to any perimenopausal woman or menopausal woman and you're, you want the estrogen. So it could be that you have normal levels of estrogen, but your progesterone is really low. And so that balance between the two is off. They work in tandem together. So you don't want one to be too higher than the other. You want them to be in this ratio. So putting in some progesterone, just that alone, just putting in bioidentical progesterone is a game changer for so many women because it's just simply they need progesterone because as we age, so we hit 35, 38, we start to see this happen. Progesterone starts to take a dive and it through your forties, it's going to dive by about 75%. Well, estrogen will only dive by about 25% normally in women. So we see that there's a big difference there. So we get this, these surging estrogen levels and these depleting progesterone, which causes things like, this is the estrogen dominance is you're going to get really heavy periods with clots. For men, it's the gynecomastia. You'll get more of the belly, um, low energy. Uh, it, it, when it's when it's estrogens too high in the, also in in there, then you're going to get lots of inflammation. When estrogens really high, it also binds to thyroid binding globulin, which is a protein, as well as sex hormone binding globulin, which then makes it so that you get hypothyroidism just from having too much estrogen in the body. So these are all, so you could get hypothyroidism, heavy bleeding, anxiety, depression uh, are big ones. Uh, you can get uh, uh, the, the belly with the hip gain. So it's more in, the, in your womanly features. Cortisol is more of belly. Estrogen is more round hips, belly area. So you'll see women that just suddenly start packing it on in that area. And that can be a sign of too much estrogen. Uh, Candida could be a sign of it. It can drive yeast. So you can get more prone to yeast infections, lowered sex drive. All of these things can be from too much estrogen, too little progesterone. So sometimes, like I said, sometimes it's just simply putting in progesterone can be a game changer and it's all you need. Sometimes you need, if that estrogen is, is really too high, even if your progesterone is normal, then you can take things that help to bind to that excess estrogen and get it out of your body. Um, gut has so much to do with it because you have something called estrobolum. I said, I always Estrobolum. Thank you. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> Estrobolome, which is a gut bacteria that helps to break down estrogen. So if you don't have enough of that, you can get estrogen dominant. So you want to pay attention to the gut to get rid of it. You want to take things like D-indolmethane, which will help to bind to those estrogens and get them out of the body. High amounts of calcium D-glucurate, which will help break the estrogen down in the gut. 
taking liver support. I mean, we all know our livers are so taxed. Our detoxification systems are taxed because we're constantly being bombarded by toxins and these xenoestrogens. So just simply supporting the liver, supporting the detoxification pathways, getting like my house is so xenoestrogen friendly. <laughs> like there's nothing, there's no xenoestrogens, I don't think in my, in my house. So things like anything that's artificially scented is going to have is going to mimic that xenoestrogen. So if you, if you wear perfumes, if you have any sort of smells to creams that you put on your body or bath bombs, or um, even cleaning supplies, you all of those chemicals, because they're chemicals will be act like estrogen inside your body and can make you estrogen dominant. So clearing all of that out and it does not have to get expensive. Everybody's like, yeah, but it's so expensive. I'm like, no, use vinegar for baking cleaning. soda, baking right. soda, it you know, a so bottle simple. of essential oils can last you for months. You just a couple drops in, in some vinegar and you've got yourself a spray. Like it's great. You can just get shampoos that don't have any of the scents to them or buy, you know, a natural shampoo then that's, that's going to last you for a while. Like there's so many little things that you can do in your environment to help. I love it. I love it. It can be so simple. And yet the whole world of S of hormones is so complicated. I mean, as you've just been listening to this conversation, we've only really touched on three big imbalances and there are a whole lot more. There's so many, but honestly, (laughs) they're all connected. They all cause problems and they're all fixable. And I, I really, really want everyone to know that I suffered from all of these. And Karen, I'm pretty sure you've suffered from a lot of them, if not all of them yourself. So we are testaments to the fact that this is overcomable. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm, I'm just here to tell you that you can get to the other side of high insulin. You can get to the other side of low thyroid. You can get to the other side of estrogen dominance and it can be so simple sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes Sometimes it's not, but sometimes sometimes it can be. Yeah. Right. And are you working with people now one-on-one, Karen? Yeah. I take a select number of people each month because I mostly just do the membership part of my business. Like where, cause I, then I can have more people, help more people at a time. Um, so people can, uh, do the one-on-one and I offer a discovery session if people aren't sure if they want to work with me or not. So you can do the free discovery to start. And then we decide if we're a good match for each other. Um, I also have got the on track membership group, which has been going on. I think we're going into our fourth year now. Great group of women. Some of the, many of them have been there since day one. It's weekly meal plans that are, I actually offer an autoimmune program inside of it, but um, basically it's like a primal based diet to help women to lose weight and to balance their hormones. So it's very hormone focused inside the group. There's a hormone program inside of it to help women go, you know, manage, go about this. And, you know, here's what you can do with supplements. Here's what you can do with bioidentical therapy. Here's how you want to talk with your doctor. Um, If these things, if, if taking hormones and supplements aren't working, what then could it be? Could there be something else amiss? Could you have heavy metals? Could you have mold? Like, and helping people to, to kind of, okay, let's figure out if this is where we have to go. So it's kind of this tiered system of first we do this work, then you kind of keep going basically. But yeah, so that's ma- mainly what I have. I also have a 
great quiz on the, on my website, karenmartel.com, that you guys can go and take the hormone quiz. It's to find yes. out which hormones could be causing your weight loss issues or your weight gain issues. And I actually give each person, like I give you your highest marker after the quiz of this is your number one hormone that's that came out. So whether that be estrogen dominance, low cortisol, thyroid, but then I give you small eBooks for each of the hormones that I was testing you for so that you can actually go in and read and be like, cause it's never one hormone. I'm going to give you your top, but there's going to be more to it than that. So you can go in and be like, you know what? Also low cortisol seems to be a problem with my thyroid you know, or right. estrogen. So really, and just, I give you some, just some great takeaways in there and some you know, some links to some podcasts where I go into more explanation on those imbalances. So you can start to educate yourself on it, which I think is like you said, it's the first step. You got to educate yourself. It's foundational. I am so grateful that you're here, that you're doing what you're doing. We have a world of people that need this kind of support to to know that they're not alone, that they're not crazy, that, oh, by the way, if your doctor tells you it's all in your head and here's an antidepressant and, oh, if you're not sleeping, here's a sleeping pill and, oh, it is madness. We simply know too much at this point to go down this path of misinformation. So the fact that you're offering this is just fantastic, Karen. I'm so pleased to know you. And I know that we're going to need to do a part two and maybe a part three because it just, it's endless, right? It I is. Mean, it's just, there, there's no shortage of things that we can talk about in this, in this realm, but I think this has been a fantastic amount of information. Is there anything else that you feel compelled to share that you did in this realm? So please, please lay it on me. What I've been trying to say to every podcast host that interviews me is I'm, I'm really trying to get the word out to women and to men, but my focus is women, but ladies, you don't have to suffer. And as we age and as you start to go into your late thirties, early forties, and you may not be getting hot flashes or, you know, things like that, but you'll start to notice that just you can't lose the weight like you used to, or the PMS starts to get longer, or your libido starts to drop, or your skin starts to wrinkle. These little tiny things are signs that things are starting to become depleted. And I really want people to understand that the sooner you get on top of that, the easier that transition to menopause is going to be. And there's so much that you can do as far as depleting hormones even if you eat the most perfect diet like me and you, you know, you exercised and you did all the lifestyle stuff and you meditated and, and you did all of those things, you're still going to have depleting hormones. It's just age. Your ovaries stop making these. And majority of women, 80 to 85% of women will go through perimenopause for eight to 10 years. That's a long time to be suffering. And most people will get the, here's your antidepressant, here's your sleeping pill, all those things that you just said. That's what you'll get if you go to the doctor. Very few people will get, hey, this is your hormones depleting. Let's put you on some bioidentical hormones so you can make this transition without any symptoms at all, because that is what can happen. You can sail through perimenopause. You don't even have to go through menopause. There's doctors out there now that are doing high dose hormone therapy 
And you never have to get to menopause. If you want to keep cycling for the rest of your life, you can now. Now, whether or not you want to is a different story. Point being is there's enough that can be done safely without harming you and can prevent every major disease out there for women. If you work with the right person, you get the right information because we're not being told the right information. Women are being told to suffer. This is what you got to do. This is just aging. This is what you got to get through. Bullshit. That's not true. There's so much you can do about it. I was going full blown into menopause two years ago. I have zero symptoms of it now. Zero symptoms. Because I I knew what to do. And so can you. So can all of the listeners. So, okay, that's where I'll leave it. (laughs) So much hope. And the hope is real. And that hope is, is real. The hope is real, my friends. It is your living proof. We are living proof. I thank you so much for the service that you provide to the world. And I can't wait to connect with you again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's just been such a pleasure, Karen. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends and family. And if you feel inspired, please leave a quick review so other people can find it too. Now, if you want to beat autoimmune and thrive, make sure you sign up for my free video training at freeautoimmunetraining.com. That's freeautoimmunetraining.com and watch the first video right away. Take good care. Bye for now.